we're here to worship God. And our call to worship comes from the book of Exodus. The Lord passed in front of Moses and called out, I, the Lord, am a God who is full of compassion and pity, who is not easily angered, and who shows great love and faithfulness. I keep my promises for thousands of generations and forgive evil and sin. Today has been set aside as Freedom Sunday and our opening prayer comes from the resource material supplied. Let's pray together. Loving God, all glory and honour to you. We worship and adore you for who you are. We give you thanks for the many blessings we have received through your Son, Jesus Christ. We are full of gratitude that we have the liberty to offer our worship to you. We can never cease to sing your praise. However, we are reminded that we have brothers and sisters who do not share in this freedom because of the injustices and oppression in our world, often inflicted by fellow human beings. We ask you to draw close in your mercy, Lord, to all those who are prevented from expressing their faith, those whose freedom has been taken away by modern-day slavery in our country and across the world. We pray for grace and strength for all who suffer in bondage. We intercede for freedom on behalf of those who are trafficked and enslaved. We pray in faith for the power of your Holy Spirit to break in and change bondage to freedom. And we offer this prayer through the name of Jesus Christ, our Saviour and Lord, who taught us when we pray to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. We listen for the word of God, and our Old Testament reading this morning comes from Genesis chapter 37, starting at verse 11. One day when Joseph's brothers had gone to Shechem to take care of their father's flock, Jacob said to Joseph, I want you to go to Shechem, where your brothers are taking care of the flock. Joseph answered, I am ready. His father said, Go and see if your brothers are safe and if the flock is all right. Then come back and tell me. So his father sent him on his way from the valley of Hebron. Joseph arrived at Shechem and was wandering about in the country when a man saw him and asked him, What are you looking for? I am looking for my brothers, who are taking care of their flock, he answered. Can you tell me where they are? The man said, 
They have already left. I heard them say that they were going to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them in Dothan. They saw him in the distance, and before he reached him, they plotted against him and decided to kill him. They said to one another, Here comes that dreamer. Come on now, let's kill him and throw his body into one of the dry wells. We can say that a wild animal killed him. Then we will see what becomes of his dreams. Reuben heard them and tried to save Joseph. Let's not kill him, he said. Just throw him into this well in the wilderness. But don't hurt him. He said this, planning to save him from them and send him back to his father. When Joseph came up to his brothers, they ripped off his long robe with full sleeves. Then they took him and threw him into the well, which was dry. While they were eating, they suddenly saw a group of Ishmaelites travelling from Gilead to Egypt. The camels were loaded with spices and resins. Judah said to his brothers, What will we gain by killing our brother and covering up the murder? Let's hell him to these Ishmaelites. Then we won't have to hurt him. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. His brothers agreed, and when some Midianite traders came by, the brothers pulled Joseph out of the well and sold him for 20 pieces of silver to the Ishmaelites, who took him to Egypt. When Reuben came back to the well and found that Joseph was not there, he tore his clothes in sorrow. He returned to his brothers and said, The boy is not there. What am I going to do? And then the New Testament reading is from Luke chapter 15, The Lost Son. Jesus went on to say, There was once a man who had two sons. The younger one said to him, Father, give me my share of the property now. So the man divided his property between his two sons. After a few days, the younger son sold his part of the property and left home with the money. He went to a country far away where he wasted his money in reckless living. He spent everything he had. Then a severe famine spread over that country, and he was left without a thing. So he went to work for one of the citizens of that country, who sent him out to his farm to take care of the pigs. He wished he could kill himself, fill himself with the bean pods the pigs ate, but no one gave anything to eat. At last he came to his senses and said, All my father's hired workers have more than they can eat, and here I am about to starve. I will get up and go to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against God and against you. I am no longer fit to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired workers. So he got up and started back to his father. He was still a long way from home when his father saw him. His heart was filled with pity, and he ran, threw his arms around his son, and kissed him. Father, the son said, I have sinned against God and against you. I'm no longer fit to be called your son. But the father called his servants, hurry, he said, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and shoes on his feet. 
Then go and get the prize calf and kill it, and let us celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead, but now he is alive. He was lost, but he has been found. And so the feasting began. In the meantime, the eldest son was out in the field. On his way back, when he came close to the house, he heard the music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him, What's going on? Your brother has come back home, the servant answered. And your father has killed the prize calf because he got him back safe and sound. The elder brother was so angry that he would not go into the house. So his father came out and begged him to come in. But he answered his father, Look all these years I've worked for you like a slave, and I have never disobeyed your orders. What have you given me? Not even a goat for me to have a feast with my friends. But this son of yours wasted all your property on prostitutes, and when he comes back home, you kill the prize car for him. My son, the father, answered, You were always here with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be happy, because your brother was dead, but now he is alive. He was lost, but now he has been found. This sermon was planned as a bit of an experiment. It was uh, supposed to be multi-voiced, and I've just realised that two of my readers aren't here. Uh, So that's going to kind of kibosh that a little bit. But never mind, we'll do our best. It's not so much a sermon as a collection of stories. Some are true, some are imagined, and they invite us to think about the complex question of human trafficking and our responses to it. And so we're going to start by hearing a story from India. Wihini, aged nine, and her brother Suni, aged seven, lived on Tane Station in Mumbai, India, with their parents, who were both alcoholics. Wihini and Suni were regular attendees of a children's centre run by a charity where they learnt to read and write and were given the opportunity to play. After attending daily for three months, they disappeared. The project staff went to look for them. Wihini and Suni's father told how a man had come and offered money for them and that he had sold them for the equivalent of $30, about £18. That was the last the father and the staff heard of them. In that area of Mumbai, children regularly disappeared or were kidnapped and sold into prostitution, forced labour, adoption or child sacrifice. My name is Reuben and I was born in Mesopotamia. I'm an eldest son, and I'm in a very complicated family. I have five full brothers, and I have six who have three different mothers between them, and I have one sister. There's always been tension in our house. It was very clear 
always very clear that Dad preferred Auntie Rachel, well, kind of Mummy Rachel. It was complicated to my mum and the other two mothers. And it was quite clear that Dad and Uncle Laban didn't always get on. Boy, was it complicated in our house because Dad had fled from his home and his dad and his brother because of a trick he'd played. And he'd run away to Mesopotamia to be safe where he worked for Uncle Laban. And then he kind of fell out with Uncle Laban and decided he had to go back home, back to his brother who he'd had the disagreement with and his dad who he'd tricked. So we all kind of set off and he sent the women and children first because he was, you know, that's the kind of thing that dad did. And we were dead scared because rumour had it that Uncle Esau would kill the lot of us. But you know what? As we crossed that river, there was Uncle Esau running as fast as he could towards us with his arms out. And he went up to Dad and he hugged him really, really tight. And he said, it's all right. It's in the past. This is now. Let's get on with life. Can't tell you how relieved I was. Eldest son and all that. These little brothers and a sister to look after. So time went on and Dad used to send us boys out to look after the animals. And he stayed at home. Now, we had this little brother called Joseph. Do you know, Joseph. He was always tittle-tattle, tittle-tattle to Dad. They didn't feed the sheep right. They took them to the wrong bit of water. Always something, always in trouble. Me, the eldest, because I should know better. And in the end, Dad said, look, Joseph, here's this wonderful cloak. It's got great big sleeves, It's beautiful. You stay home with me and the others can go off and do the work. Well, that didn't exactly make us very happy. But it didn't get any easier life in our family because as time went on, something terrible happened to our sister, Dinah. Dinah was raped. And, you know, the man who raped her just said, well, look, it's okay, I'll marry her. That'll make it fine, won't it? Well, no. No. That's not going to sort it out, but what could I do? And then, oh dear, there was that day that Auntie Mummy Rachel was in childbirth and she brought forth a little brother, my baby brother, and she died. It was terrible, utterly terrible. And of course, because Joseph and Benjamin were her sons, Dad kind of favoured them even more and kept them safe at home and sent the rest of us off back out to look after the sheep. Joseph, yeah, Joseph, you know, he got to about the age of 17 and he was, well, getting above himself, shall we say. He started, oh, I had this dream last night. You all had ears of corn out in the fields and I had one, and yours all bowed down to mine. And then there was the one about the stars and the moon, and now about how our stars all bowed down to him. 
do you know, Eve was a right... Well, I shouldn't say it because um, you're polite people. So we kind of got very fed up with him. And one day when we were out looking after sheep, Dad sent him out to, to see what we were up to. And we were whispering and muttering. And the brothers had this plot. Let's just, let's just be done with it. Let's just kill him, pretend to Dad that we'd animalate him, and it'll all be okay. We'll be rid of him. Ha! Well, I knew that wasn't the right thing to do. So I had to think quite quickly. I said, I'll tell you what. Let's just take that robe off him and we'll put him down this well and, and we'll take it from there. And I was thinking, well, that's okay because later on, when they're off ducking after the sheep again, I can sneak back and get him out and send him home to Dad and no one will be any the wiser. We'll probably get a bit of grief for messing him about, but... So that's what we did. And I went back off to look after the sheep And then I came back to get him out of that well. And he wasn't there. Because whilst I'd been away, they'd seen some foreign travellers and they'd sold him to them. And these travellers would take him to Egypt and he would be sold into slavery. A living death, building those pyramid things that they have in, in Egypt. What was I supposed to do? I'm the eldest. I was going to be for it because he was gone. So we kind of made up this story that a wild animal had gored him to death and all we found was the cloak. And we killed one of the goats because Dad would never notice one goat amongst all those. And we took back the cloak and we told our story. I should have done something. I'm the eldest. I should have looked out for my brother Joseph. He was only 17, had all his life ahead of him. I'll probably never see him again. I'll never know what happens to him. I should have done something. But it's too late. This is Sophie's story. Two years ago, everything changed. I was trafficked. I was fooled. I was deceived by a man who said that he loved me. The tragedy is, I believed him. Now I know that love is not shown by forcing me to work on the streets, beating me up, force-feeding me and turning me into someone with no mind of my own. I'd become like a frightened rabbit. I was terrified he'd kill me. In fact, sometimes death felt like the only way I could escape. People were products, and I was one of them. But I am a survivor I managed to escape. I have a new life now, but I am haunted by the faces of those who use me, those whom I didn't choose, those for whom I was nothing more than a ten-minute fling. And then Mike's story.
Mike became desperate to seek pastures new after losing his job and ending up on the streets. In his vulnerable state, Mike was quickly persuaded by a gang to work and live on a caravan site. But his new dream turned into a nightmare as he soon became trapped in a life of forced labour and enslavement where he and other men were ill-treated and forced to live in inhumane conditions. Thankfully, Mike too managed to escape. Not everybody is so strong or so lucky. I don't really exist. Well, I do, but only as a character in a story that Jesus told. So I don't have a name. I'm just an older brother. And because I don't exist, because I'm just a figment of Jesus' imagination and your imagination, I can tell you my story and you can't disprove it. Mum and Dad were good people. In fact, Dad was reasonably wealthy. We had servants and we had slaves to help on the farm. And I was the firstborn son. The one who from an early age was told, one day, son, all this will be yours. One day, son, you will be in charge of all these people. You will have responsibility for the welfare of the slaves and the servants. One day, son... You will be where I am now. Well, when you're only about seven years old, that's uh, a bit scary. And then I had this little brother. And it's nice having a little brother. It's nice to have someone to play with. But I don't know about you uh, and your family, but in my family, it never seemed quite fair. You're bigger. You should know better. He's only little. No, no, you can't go out until 10 o'clock at night because it's, you're too young. Yes, okay, well, you're now old enough to go out until 10 o'clock, so he can go out till 10 o'clock as well. Older brothers, it seems, get a bit of a rough deal. You have to be grown up, you have to be responsible, and your little brother gets all the fun. But, hey, that's how it was, and we kind of rubbed along okay. And then it happened one day. He went up to Dad and said, Dad, Dad, I've got a great idea. Dad, how about I get my share now turned into cash and then I can go off and travel the world. You know, like a, like a gap year when they invent those in a few thousand years' time. That's what I'd like to do now. And Dad did it. He liquidated half his assets and handed it over. So off he went. Meanwhile, me, I'm looking after the sheep. I'm learning how to do the accounts. I'm learning how to organise the servants and sort out their days off and their their sick leave and all that kind of thing. He is off, well, let's be honest, my mind went into overdrive. I had him out at every brothel you could think of. I had him partying, I had him gambling, drinking, 
anything. I just was so furious inside. Outwardly, I was the nice, obedient elder son doing my work every day, but I was mad. What really kind of got to me, though, was watching what it did to Dad. Because as time passed by, Dad stopped working and he would just walk to the edge of the the farm and stand and stare into the distance. And stare into the distance. And look as if he was waiting for that stupid idiot brother of mine to come back. And it really, really wore me down because I was still working on the farm. I was still trying to make sure that the crops were gathered, the sheep were looked after and such like and so forth. (sighs) Then it happened one day. And I didn't see it, but uh, it just sounds so terribly embarrassing. There's Dad, old wizened, standing at the end of the farm, looks into the distance, and the next thing he's running down the road, hitched up his robes towards this skinny thing, throws his arm round him because it's that, well, I can't say it, can I, but that brother of mine. And he takes him, and he washes him, and he puts beautiful clothes on him, the kind you could never work him. And he says, fantastic, we're going to have a party. Uh, You go and and kill the fattened calf. You get the wine out. Invite the best musicians. It's going to be amazing. I find this out when I get home tired and dirty and hungry from a hard day's work in the fields. I'm furious. Utterly furious. That wastrel has come back and is having a party. And then Dad came out and said, come on, come in. Me, come in, I don't think so. I mean, you know, what he's been doing, wasting all your money. No. And Dad said, look, I kind of get what you're saying. But he was as good as dead. I thought I'd lost him forever. I looked hopefully every day, hope against hope. I know I looked stupid, but I dared to hope he might come back. And he did. And now, surely, surely we must party. Won't you come in? What should I do? What would you do? Go and celebrate or stay in a huff? Because after all, you're the responsible one. The sheep still need to be fed. The corn still needs to be sorted out. The servants have still got to be looked after. And as for that wastrel, well, what would you do? What would we do? I wonder how we have felt hearing the stories. The very short reported stories of human trafficking in India and in the UK. The imagined stories trying to enter the mind of Reuben and the the mind of the nameless elder brother. I tell them as an elder sister. I can't not be an elder sister. That is who I am. And that shapes the way I look at the world. But not all of us are eldests. 
Not all of us have siblings. And yet these people who are trafficked are our sisters and brothers as part of the human race. So I wonder, are we like Reuben, who always intends to do the right thing, but never quite get round to it? Who realise too late that we should have spoken or acted? Are we like the older brother in the parable? Good, decent, moral people who obey the rules and go to church on a Sunday and frankly get somewhat hacked off when somebody gets all excited because a drug addict gets saved or somebody who worked in the sex industry starts coming to church or somebody whose lifestyle is still a little bit chaotic says they want to follow Jesus. Do we go, don't think so? What is it we can learn from the older brothers in these stories that help us in our own story of discipleship, that give us something we can take with us as we consider the complicated issues of human trafficking and modern-day slavery? Before we pray, human trafficking is the fastest growing global crime. 1.2 million children are trafficked every day. Human trafficking is the second largest source of illegal income worldwide. And 20.9 million are victims of forced labor worldwide. In the UK, in 2013, 2,744 people were trafficked, and at least 602 of them were children. Let's pray. Loving, caring, living God. We've been reminded this morning that human trafficking and selling into slavery is not a new development. The exploitation of others appears to be something that is cast deep in the human psyche. And we in Scotland remember the history, the deep involvement that Scotland had in the slave trade. Nevertheless, we pray For child laborers, child soldiers, and children exploited in pornography. For young girls and women exploited on the streets. For all men, women, and children enslaved, betrayed, and abandoned. Liberate them from oppression, we pray. We also pray that the perpetrators and organizers of human trafficking turn away from their unjust ways, that the millions of people trafficked will experience freedom, 
that government leaders, corporate directors, and all that serve the public will address the systems that make human traffic possible. May justice reign in our day, we pray. Almighty God, we believe in hope that the whole world, working together as a community, can stop the demand for human trafficking. But forgive us for sometimes thinking that because we have prayed about this, or anything, that we've done enough. We're strengthened by what we've learned this morning and commit to act on behalf of justice. Make in us a captive conscience, quick to hear, to act, to plead. Make us truly sisters, brothers, of whatever race or creed. Teach us to be fully human, open to each other's needs. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. On this holy ground of worship, in this sacred place of prayer, we have heard the voice of freedom crying, Let my people go. Father of freedom, release us into life, deliver us from every evil, and make of us deliverers of others. Where chains restrain God's children, where humans trade in kin and skin, may our words pass on your promise of a land where liberty is sweet. Father of freedom, release us into life. Deliver us from every evil, and make of us deliverance of others. Give us face, faith to face the pharaohs, and light their pockets from this plague. Send us our salvation sponsors, willing servants, slaves to love. Father of freedom, who leads us into life, deliver us from every evil, and make of us deliverance of others. Lead us and bless us with courage, compassion and love, now and always. Amen.